The Biden administration takes orders from Planned Parenthood. Big tech takes orders from the abortion industry and the Democrats. Big tech, big abortion, big government. A threesome made in hell. As the left oligarchy rallies to defend their greatest sacrament and censor those who dissent, we must get comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> Our children and those yet to be born will judge us for what we do or fail to do now. I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. It has been a whirlwind of devastating news, hasn't it? Unfortunately, the recall election for Governor Newsom Leaney in California has failed, uh, allegedly. Can we really have faith in these elections anymore? Who knows? Um, but there was certainly a lot of fraudulent activity that was happening. Many people said that they were told they voted when they had not voted. Many people's votes still have not been counted. And if you were following the California recall effort, you may recall that if you voted yes to recall the most pro-abortion governor in California history, you could see that through the little uh, hole in the envelope. And so uh, how many were just tossed? Because the people counting them love abortion and hate pro-life Republicans. And so we're disappointed with those results because many more children will be killed, pro-lifers targeted and censored, and liberty continues to rot and die when people who can't get the right to life right have their hands on the reins of political power. And listen, if you haven't given the show a rating and review yet, please do that. It really helps us reach more people. Go subscribe at YouTube, iTunes, podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us five stars. Leave a review. Let us know what you think about the show. If it's helped you, the abortion trolls like to leave nasty reviews. And as this show continues to grow and reach more people, we want it to show up on the platforms where people are increasingly flocking to to get their news and information as the mainstream media's reputation goes right down the drain and the gutter. Well, this is a very disturbing episode because we're seeing the oligarchy of the left and the abortion industry, but I repeat myself, ramp up their political attacks against pro-lifers and against the unborn because they recognize how unpopular they are. In my opinion, the left and the abortion industry and the Democrat Party understand that they may get a red wave in the 2022 elections for the Senate races, something that will scare them very much. Um, once again, if we can secure our elections and put it back in place the election integrity laws that many states pitched during the, the quote-unquote scamdemic or pandemic. If we can secure those things, I think the Democrats understand how unpopular they are. Biden was asked recently, uh, have you seen the new poll about how over 50% of Americans think that you're unfit to govern? And he laughed, and he's like, oh, I haven't seen that. They really know how far they've overplayed their hand and so they know that there will be a political backlash. And so because of that, they're ramping up their attacks. They're getting all the more nasty because of it. You're going to see a lot more nasty things coming from Newsom now that he remained in office and he has a chance to punish all those people who tried to recall him. Um, and so one of the ways that we're seeing this is from the Biden administration um, giving more big cash gifts to Planned Parenthood. Um, the Federalist Molly Hemingway writing on September 16th shows that leaked documents show Biden sidelining public to take orders from Planned Parenthood. I'm going to read through a bit of this because it's sort of complex in how they go about their, their tweaking of laws and sort of their flouting of um, regulatory standards in order to give gifts to Planned Parenthood. And if you don't follow sort of the... Um, 
political process that certain bills are supposed to go through where they have time for the public to comment on it um, and all these things. It can be a little bit confusing, but I want to read through part of Molly Hemingway's article. She always does great um, articles and great review over at The Federalist um, for how the Democrat Party and the Biden administration are finagling their way through laws in order to give big cash gifts to the abortion industry, who always give massive campaign donations to the Democrats. So a new leaked document shows the Biden administration flouting the regulatory process in order to push through a massive financial favor to the powerful and lucrative abortion industry that backed Joe Biden's presidential candidacy with tens of millions of dollars. Less than two weeks ago, after an already abbreviated period of time for the public to review and comment on the proposed regulatory change, Biden's Department of Health and Human Services circulated a draft final rule that violates the clear language of Obamacare in order to benefit Planned Parenthood and other corporate abortion interests. The leaked document, dated August 10th and more than 300 pages long, was sent was then sent to the Office of Management and Budget for final approval, according to multiple sources familiar with the federal rule-making process. The Office of Management and Budget posted confirmation of receipt August 19th, a mere 50 days after the major rule change was first proposed to the public. So here's how this works. In order to pass the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare in 2010, on a mostly party-line vote, Democrats included a provision to placate pro-life members of the party reluctant to vote for it. Right, because Obamacare was very unpopular. So the way that the Democrats got some of the bipartisan votes they needed was in Section 1303 of the bill, which requires separate billing for medical procedures that end unborn human lives. Pro-life Democrats said this would ensure no federal funds were spent on abortions. Plan users would write one check for their premium and another for an abortion rider. Okay, so this is how they got Obamacare through with the Republicans. And, and the, the pro-life Democrats, which are way less now than they were then, was to say, don't worry, um, there won't be reimbursements from the insurance companies for abortion. The, the, the user will um, pay for the premium, um, but then if they want abortion services, they have to pay for that personally. However, the Obama administration ignored the statutory language and made it harder for plan users to know if they were funding abortion by allowing insurers to bury the abortion surcharges deep in planned documents. Before the end of the Trump administration, the regulation governing such payments for abortion was updated to make it compliant with the law as written. Planned Parenthood and then California Attorney General Xavier Becerra sued to block the rule, okay? Xavier Becerra, one of the most pro-abortion politicians in the government who now heads the HHS, sued with Planned Parenthood against the Trump administration who were trying to uphold the correct application of Obamacare to separate abortion services from other healthcare services so that abortion services weren't covered by insurance companies. Becerra was rewarded for this by Biden who regularly emphasized his devotion to the Roman Catholic Church and appointed him as secretary of the HHS. On July 1st of 2021, the Biden administration proposed to eliminate and replace the Trump administration's separate billing requirement. Okay, so this is just, you know, very technical language to say the Biden administration is suing to give more money to the abortion industry. Shocker. Normally, such an important and economically significant rule change would require giving the public months of opportunity to comment, followed by months more of rigorous review and response to the comments before finalizing the rule. In a stunning move, the Biden administration provided only 28 days for public comment, thereby receiving only 341 comments. By contrast, under Trump, 
who gave the public a full two months to comment on his administration's rule governing the billing for abortion services and received more than 75,000 public comments. This was consistent with Executive Order 12866, signed by Clinton in 93, which provides that rules should generally have at least 60 days for public comment. The Administrative Procedure Act says that unless it's a national security crisis or other urgent situation, less than 30 days of review is not advisable. Of course, because this is a constitutional republic, we the people should have a say in how our tax dollars are spent and on what type of bills are approved. But more and more, of course, power is being taken away from the people. What makes the abnormally short public comment period even more surprising is that HHS admitted in its final draft this rule in this final draft that this rule is, quote, expected to be a major rule because it is likely to result in an annual effect on the economy of $100 million or more. One of the most difficult and time-consuming portions of the regulatory process is the period in which an agency reviews and responds to public comments, which they are required to do by law. The Administrative Procedure Act requires any rule that has force or effect of law to be open to public inspection and comment before finalized. Agencies must take comments into account. That means an agency must read and respond to them in the preamble to the final rule. If they don't, agency has violated the APA and the regulation can be blocked. Limiting the public comment period to less than a month truncated the number of public comments drastically, but regulatory experts say less than two weeks was way too little time to review several hundred comments, some of which were dozens of pages long and dealt with comprehensive legal and regulatory arguments. The draft final rule indicated no changes from the July 1st proposed rule in response to the substantive public comments on the controversial portions of the proposed rule. Um, to me, this signals that unfortunately, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services has already made up its mind about all of these complicated issues and is rushing to finalize the rule without really considering the public comments and frankly, without giving the public enough opportunity to weigh in on a number of controversial provisions, said Randy Pate, former director of the Center for Consumer Information and Insurance Oversight at HHS. He noted that the rule change not only covered the separate billing for abortion issue, but also raised premiums on users and removed flexibility for states in how they operate their insurance exchanges. Senator Ben Nelson, who's a pro-life Democrat, was part of the um, um, Democrats that was responsible for Obamacare to separate the billing for abortion services. And he said that the Obamacare bill would not have passed without that provision. But now they're pushing to remove that in order to, to funnel more cash into the abortion industry. He explained, if you are receiving federal assistance to buy insurance, and if that plan has any abortion coverage, the insurance company must bill you separately, and you must pay separately from your own personal funds, perhaps a credit card transaction, your separate personal check, or automatic withdrawal from your bank account for that abortion coverage. Now, let me say that again. You have to write two checks, one for the basic policy and one for the additional coverage for abortion. The latter has to be entirely from personal funds. So Planned Parenthood said in a lawsuit um, following Obamacare's requirement of separate billing for abortion services, that, quote, it, this would have a devastating financial impact on them. They said the Trump rule would result in less profitable abortions than insurance-covered abortions, as well as fewer abortions overall due to insurers and patients dropping coverage. There's the line from Molly Hemingway at, at The Federalist. There it is right there. Less cash. You know this in your personal life, right? If... if um, uh, employers or people giving you medical care can bill the insurer, they can charge basically whatever they want. But if you're paying out of pocket, it's a cheaper cost. So, of course, the abortion industry is very upset 
um, that Trump had reinstated this separate billing issue that Obamacare initially required because it means that those getting abortions get them cheaper. They're paying for it personally and the abortion industry doesn't get reimbursed and can't charge higher rates, but also that fewer abortions overall will happen because insurers and patients are dropping coverage and, and therefore less babies will be killed. Okay, so what's a basic rule of economics? When you subsidize something, you get more of that thing. <laughs> there is a direct link between tax funding of abortions, insurance coverage of abortions, and an increase in abortions. So when the pro-life evangelicals for Biden said, vote for Democrats, because I have some BS stupid study over here that shows that democratic policies decrease abortions. Well, here's one of the policies that shovels tens if not hundreds of millions more to Planned Parenthood in the abortion industry, which will obviously only increase the number of abortions. The Democrat party has been pushing to remove the Hyde Amendment, which was an incredibly bipartisan bill, which was a rider on federal spending bills, which said that, that um, federal dollars cannot go to funding abortions through Medicare and Medicaid reimbursements. And so if you can't get reimbursed for, for an abortion through Medicare or Medicaid, then you're less likely to pay for that abortion because you don't have the funds. You're not, you don't have enough money to pay someone to kill your baby. You can't get reimbursed, so you just won't get the abortion. And the Hyde Amendment is has, has responsible for saving over 2 million babies since it was instituted by Henry Hyde. Well, they want to get rid of that too. When you subsidize something, you get more of that thing, all right? You pro-life evangelicals for Biden. You are responsible for the murdered babies that will be sacrificed on the altar of the Democrat Party on sexual libertinism and on their own version of communist utopia that they insist, they'll, that they'll successfully implement here in America. Roger Severino, the former director of the Health and Human Service Office for Civil Rights under Trump, said Planned Parenthood is desperate to hide abortion surcharges from consumers because they know transparency and truth is bad for business. By the way, remember, Planned Parenthood spent $45 million to defeat Trump and get a pro-abortion Democrat elected. They said this publicly, right? And that, of course, is coming from your tax dollars as well. So the abortion industry and the Democrat Party have been longtime bedfellows, and that means that they must satisfy and pleasure one another, right? They're sleeping in the same bed. They're in this together. This is the goal. The least regulated industry in the country who kills over 300,000 little humans every year takes 600 million of your tax dollars every year and then donates over 45 million of those to get pro-abortion Democrats elected. Then those Democrats return the favor by becoming political prostitutes for the abortion industry and tweaking the law, the law wherever and however they can to increase the cash flow to Planned Parenthood, which they know they'll receive once again when it's time for re-election. Someone might call this money laundering and it's being done with your tax dollars, whether you're pro-life or not, whether you like it or not. This is the abortion threesome that is happening, not just with big abortion and big government, but also with big tech. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But Kamala Harris, who is for all intents and purposes, the president of the United States of America, who is the puppeteer handling the strings of our alleged president, Joe Biden, just recently invited baby murderers to the White House. Yes, according to this Glamour article, Kamala Harris will welcome abortion providers and patients to the White House. This was actually last Thursday. Um, and they did so in order to discuss how to fight for abortion rights, right, in, in, in response to Texas exercising the federalism that Democrats say they love when it's states flouting federal law and making their states a sanctuary state for illegal immigrants, or cities flouting state law, making their cities a sanctuary for illegal immigrants. Then they love local control and, and, and uh, 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 sort of judicial decisions or jurisprudence. They love when local cities or districts 
can exercise that local control. But when Texas tries to do that to protect the pre-born, then they scream bloody murder. And so with the increase in pro-life legislation around the country, which is ramping up, with sort of a recognition that the Democrat Party is very vicious in their attack of the pre-born and the pro-life movement, Kamala Harris says, we need to get a bunch of infanticidal baby murderers together. We need to discuss what to do about this. Harris said, we will not stand by and allow our nation to go back to the days of back alley abortions. We will not abide by cash incentives for virtual vigilantes and intimidation for patients. What she's talking about is the fact that, as I told you on the show, private citizens in Texas have been deputized to file civil lawsuits against those involved in an abortion. Not the woman, because in, in pre-Roe versus Wade Texas state law, the woman couldn't be charged. So abiding by their own state laws in order to make the argument that they're abiding by their own laws, the woman can't be prosecuted, but the abortionist, the staff, those assisting with, those driving the person, or the father or boyfriend pressuring and taking her to the abortion center can all be sued for individual involvement at $10,000 per person involved in the abortion. They can also file lawsuits against people if they hear that someone's going to get an abortion before they get it in order to, to try to save that unborn child before their dismemberment is on the calendar. So that's what Kamala Harris is referring to. She's saying that we will not abide by cash incentives for virtual vigilantes, meaning that they're, they're going to be incentivized to just make cash by protecting the unborn. Um, and those who pursue an abortion. She's, she says, we will use every level of our administration to defend the right to safe and legal abortion and to strengthen that right. Yes, this is what we told the evangelicals for Biden and those who couldn't vote for Trump in 2020 because of their witness. <laughs> my leftist friend at my corporation, he won't listen to me share the gospel with him anymore if he learns I voted for Trump on the ballot. And so it's for my witness that I can't vote for the most pro-life president in American history, who while imperfect is the only one willing to step up and protect not just the life of the unborn, but the religious liberty and free speech of Americans. I couldn't do it because of my witness. Well, we told you that you were not only going to get the status quo of abortion, but a strengthening of abortion, more funding of abortion, and more murdered babies, as Kamala Harris is saying, to strengthen that right. So it's very interesting how she puts this. If someone is incentivized to make money to protect the pre-born, then that person is evil and bad, right? These virtual vigilantes with cash incentives, Kamala Harris says. But those incentivized to make money by murdering the unborn... <laughs> and gleefully cheering for the right to murder babies, those women are heroes, right? Those men and women who kill babies, they're heroes, even though they make tons of money. Very rich individuals, right? I don't know if you know this, but many abortion chains and abortion centers in America are privately run businesses by private businessmen, right? It's like, just like you would crush it in sales, right? In your, and you would start a, a local sales for furniture or a local insurance business or whatever, little mom and pop sales business. Most local private abortion centers are run by private citizens, private businessmen who just make a killing on killing preborn children in your cities and in your counties. They make a lot of good money doing that. But according to Kamala Harris, it's only those who might be incentivized by money to protect the preborn by filing civil lawsuits in Texas that are evil. That's the inverted world of leftism. Secular humanism does indeed rot the brain. According to this article, one of the abortionists who met with Harris on Thursday is Planned Parenthood employee Bhavik Kumar, who, like his fellow abortionists, rushed as many women as possible through abortions on August 31st, 2021, as the clock ticked down to the enactment of the Heartbeat Act at midnight. Texas's Heartbeat Act went into effect 
at midnight on September 1st. According to Glamour, Glamour, this, this leftist magazine that published this piece, at 7 o'clock that evening, Kumar still had 20 to 30 women waiting for abortions, and he was able to get to all of them. We talked to you about last week on the show, uh, a whole woman's health, 80-year-old abortionist in Texas, killed 67 babies in about 17 hours. Um, this, this man uh, wasn't able to pull off quite as large of a homicidal success story, but that's at least four abortions an hour or one abortion every 15 minutes. At 30 women over five hours, Bhavak Kumar was committing an abortion every 10 minutes. Glamour said that he committed 60 abortions in all that day, and they said that was the most of his career. Celebrating it as this great success, right? Oh, this is the high point in my career. For you, your high point might be getting that big client, that big insurance corporation, that big private citizen as part of your financial advising. Ah, but for him, it's 60 murdered human beings in one day. That's the most of his career, according to Glamour article. Kumar, this abortionist, told Glamour, we need bold action to protect access to abortion. There's no time to wait. People's lives are literally at stake. These people have seemingly read 1984 over and over and over again and attempted to invert language so that two and two does indeed make five and use language to propagate, inculcate the society with a certain vision of what they do. And that's how the left has always tried to upend society and pitch their political project, is through the language of false compassion. As my good friend Michael Seifert, who's launching the company Public Square, who we had on the show recently mentioned, nearly every policy pushed by the left is pushed under the veil of false compassion. But those policies only end up hurting the very people they say that they exist to love, care for, and support the immigrant, women, the taxpayer, and the pre-born. And this abortionist who kills 60 eternal souls in one day says that people's lives are literally at stake. What he means is that the quality of life of women who want to kill their children is at stake. And if that little human, that little baby, if babies get in the way of your quality of life, then the preborn, the fact that the preborn's life is at stake means nothing. It's all that matters is my quality of life, how I feel, what satisfies me now. This is the result of decades of ideas. Those ideas are called relativism. Those ideas are called secular progressivism. Those ideas go back to the sexual revolution. Those ideas go back to the 17th and 18th century with Enlightenment writers who said that the only thing that can be truly known are, is that which can be perceived through the five senses. Hear, taste, smell, taste, uh, see, and touch. Not truth, not morality, not religion, not ethics. Those things don't represent real knowledge. And we're now hundreds of years away from this sort of propagation of relativism that then was promulgated through the universities, which the church abandoned. The church said, oh, these universities are getting crazy leftists out of control. We'll go start our own Christian colleges. And like the church does on politics today, we did back then. We abdicated the public square and allowed leftists with an alternative religion to fill in those institutions which are responsible for propagating certain ideas to the posterity of America. And here we are reaping the consequences of the nasty seeds that we sowed or refused to sow 
in the culture because we were too pompous or too scared to engage. And so we didn't plant good ideas, good Judeo-Christian ideas into the soil of America or the soil of the next generation of young people into their minds. Yes, politics is downstream of culture, but culture can also be downstream of politics. And you ought to wield politics and self-government in a godly and righteous way to impact culture as well. Well, for nearly 50 years, the culture has been told that ripping the arms off of little human beings in their mother's wombs is reproductive justice. And it's necessary to maintain women's equality. If you care about women's equality, you have to support abortion. That's the philosophical and ideological history that leads this degenerate abortionist Kumar to say people's lives are literally at stake here because he has filtered out of sight any recognition of a separate human being bearing the injuries of choice, to quote Hadley Arcus. Well, I want to show you a picture of all of the infant butchers that Kamala Harris met with. Here they are. Here's all these infant butchers. You see Kamala Harris there. Um, that Kuvar man, he is the um, second from the right in the back. He's the one in the white lab coat, of course, also wearing the mask. In fact, I believe he is the only man there. All of the, everyone in that room um, is a woman, look at me assuming their gender, um, who all murder children, who murder preborn women. He's the only guy in there um, in Kamala Harris meeting with all of these homicidal maniacs. Between all of those individuals in this picture, you're, you're, you're talking tens of thousands, ten, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of lives that those individual blood-stained hands have taken, that those individual hands have, have ripped human beings limb from limb apart and rearranged their freaking body parts and pieces on the table. The, at the head of the table, on the opposite end of Kamala Harris, that woman is the director of Whole Woman's Health in Texas. And she was the one who went on to Rachel Maddow and had, were nearly crying, nearly crying on television about how women won't be able to kill their babies and lots of babies will now be alive and survive in the state of Texas. So I just thought you should see this. But this should not surprise you, right? Because Democrats have always supported lynchings. They've simply adjusted the age of their victims. Rather than lynching born black people, they simply lynch black people before they're born, before they can scream, before they can protest, before they can say, I dissent. And they channel their racism, which is still alive and well today in the Democrat party, by the way, by convincing black women that they need abortion and that it's actually safer than childbirth. Here's a tweet from Planned Parenthood Black Community. Check this out. I've, I've shown you this on the show before. And this is Planned Parenthood telling black women that if they care about their own health, you should always get an abortion. It says, statistically, a black woman in America, it's safer to have an abortion than to carry a pregnancy to term and give birth. Hashtag scary stats. Okay, think about what they're saying. They're telling black women, if you care about your health, if you care about you, your life, and the children and family members that you have a duty to take care of and provide, I mean, you gotta take care of your health. You don't wanna be harmed, right, in the process of, of, of your reproductive dreams because you have other people to care for. And so listen, some stat here, some, some study here that I can't really show you because it's all based on BS studies, it actually, it says that when you're pregnant as a black woman in America, it is always more dangerous to give birth to that child than to have an abortion. Or killing that baby through an abortion is always safer than carrying that child to term and giving birth. So what is the abortion industry saying? Who makes a disproportionate amount of their money on, on lynching black babies in the womb, on womb lynchings? Because uh, three and a half percent of the American public are black women of childbearing age. So three and a half percent of the American public make up, ready? 
37% of the annual abortions. Yes, those are figures from the CDC. I can show those to you. I've showed it on the show before. 3.5% of the public obtains 37% of the abortions. Planned Parenthood knows this, and so they say, ah, if you care about your health, always kill your baby. If you're black, always kill your baby because it's safer than giving birth to that child. This racism is still alive and well in the Democrat Party and the abortion industry, but I repeat myself, for these are the bedfellows of the culture of death. And of course, Kamala Harris and the Democrats celebrate and support these infant lynchers in this photo I just showed you. Infant lynchers, which coincidentally helps them control the black population, right? Which was always Planned Parenthood's goal. The Democrat Party has always associated themselves with, partnered with, and celebrated the most disgusting people in America. Let me give you a brief history of that bigoted racist history because I think I made a case that it's alive and well today when the sitting vice president of the free world can invite homicidal mass murderers to the White House to celebrate all that they're doing for women, minus pre-born women, of course, all that they're doing for minority populations, minus the genocide that they're wielding on minority populations while they murder over 300,000 black people in the womb every year, which means the abortion industry lynches more black people in two weeks than the KKK lynched in a century. Yes, not only is racism and lynchings alive and well today, but they're actually more prevalent than they've ever been before. The Democrat Party is just more winsome and cunning in how they pitch the lynchings that they still defend and celebrate. January 1865, January 1865, 100 of House Republicans supported the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery. 78% of House Democrats opposed it, voted against it. 1868, Democrats nominated Horatio Seymour and Francis Blair for president and vice president against Ulysses S. Grant. So Seymour was the Democrat candidate. Seymour's general election campaign slogan against Ulysses S. Grant was this, ready? Quote, this is a white man's country, let white men rule. 1916, a segregation order reading the following, beginning Wednesday, August 9th, 1916, the toilet seats in the state, war and Navy department buildings will be allotted for use as toilets for women, for white men, and for colored men. That segregation order was signed by Assistant Secretary of the Navy, Democrat Franklin Delano Roosevelt. 1922, Democrats sank Republican Representative Leonidas Dyer's anti-lynching bill, which would have made lynching a federal crime and shielded blacks from being hung in trees. It passed the Republican-controlled House in January 1922, and Senate Democrats filibustered it that November. 1937, FDR nominates former Klansman Hugo Black to the Supreme Court. And yes, he knew that he was a former Klansman. Democrats embraced and stood side by side with U.S. Senator and former Klansman Robert Byrd, a senator from West Virginia, for decades. He was the senator from West Virginia from 1959 to 2010 when he passed. Robert Byrd wrote the KKK's Imperial Wizard in 1946 saying, quote, The Klan is needed today as never before, and I am anxious to see its rebirth here in West Virginia. Hillary Clinton called Robert Byrd, her, quote, friend and mentor, end quote. And at Robert Byrd's funeral, Obama eulogized him, saying, quote, it seems to me that his life is bent towards justice. 
a former Klan's member, a former KKK member, and someone who wrote The Grand Wizard saying, we need to reawaken the Klan in West Virginia. And how about Margaret Sanger? Let's come full circle, shall we? She is hailed as a hero and near God to the Democrat Party in the religion of secular progressivism. Margaret Sanger spoke at a KKK rally once, wrote about it in her journal. She once said, quote, we do not want word to get out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. She wrote regarding birth control, how she wanted to use birth control. Here's what she said. The campaign for birth control is not merely of eugenic value, but is practically identical in ideal with the final aims of eugenics. In other words, Margaret Sanger says, it's not just that birth control has some eugenic value, it's that, that, that its very purpose is for eugenics. And some of the people that Margaret Sanger wanted to eugenics, right, wanted to eliminate from polite society, were indeed not just the retarded, not just the uh, physically deformed and the mentally unfit, she claimed, but also blacks. Yes, she wanted to control the black population, and like Planned Parenthood does today, get black people on board with the program, pitch it under false compassion, get them to defend it so that other minority populations that share their race will look to Planned Parenthood and see, look at all the black people. Just like me, I guess abortion can't be all that bad. When receiving the Margaret Sanger Award, Hillary Clinton said, quote, it was a great privilege when I was told that I would receive this award. I admire Margaret Sanger enormously. Her courage, her tenacity, her vision. She should have said her eugenics vision. And when I think about what she did all those years ago in Brooklyn, taking on archetypes, taking on attitudes and accusations flowing from all directions, I am really in awe of her. And now, of course, the Democrat Party and Planned Parenthood is finally acknowledging their racist history, of which Margaret Sanger was the fountainhead, but uh, too little too late. The Democrat Party's ideas and philosophies haven't changed. They've just gotten more cunning in their marketing, PR, and implementation. Like slavery, abortion also dehumanizes its victim class to justify their mistreatment, and it invents arbitrary functions and properties, and then demands that their victim class meet those functional requirements before they can be recognized as persons. But like racists before them, pro-abortion cheerleaders know beforehand that their victim class will fail to meet their litmus test for personhood. They just invent these cognitive abilities, functions, and properties that they demand their victim class meet with the full knowledge that they won't be able to meet their arbitrary litmus test for personhood. It's not done ironically, it's done very intentionally in order to come up with sort of the philosophical argument they need to justify their bigotry, to justify the mistreatment of the victim class that they want to eliminate. One day, that disgusting photo of Kamala Harris sitting with and celebrating mass murderers will be remembered and spoken of with disgust, and the Kamala Harris statues will topple and her street names will be renamed. But more than that, friends, our grandchildren will curse us too if we did nothing to stop this genocide. For to quote Wilberforce, you can no longer say that you did not know. Or as Bonhoeffer said, not to speak is to speak not to act is to act, silence in the face of evil is itself evil, and God will not hold us guiltless. If you stand in the middle of the road, you will get run over by a truck. There is no moral neutrality or neutral position on the genocide of baby image bearers. But it's not just the Biden administration taking orders and kissing the feet 
of the abortion industry, big tech is also responding to the beck and call of the baby murderers as well. And we're going to get to that next. But first, if you like this show and want to hear more great content and commentary from the front lines of the abortion wars and the pro-life movement, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash unaborted and check out our tiers. If you're new to the show, this is just a crowdfunding platform that enables us to grow the production value of our show, the number of episodes, the guests we can bring on our studio, and begin creating and filming interactional, conversational content on the streets where we put these ideas into that conversational format with people who have never thought deeply about the abortion issue before, hopefully create viral YouTube-friendly content that will change minds, change hearts, and save lives. When you support us, you support our work. Thank you so much. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Big abortion, big government, and big tech. This is the abortion threesome that is making love to one another in their political beds. And this will just continue to creating and spawning nasty, rotten fruit until the church and individual pro-lifers and conservatives wake up and start contending and fighting back. For we will owe a response to our posterity for what we did or did not do during this season. This comes straight from Google. Google just shut down live action for their abortion pill reversal ads. I've told, talked to you about this on the show before. If you're new to the show, here's a brief breakdown of what that is. The abortion medication pill is a two-regiment pill. Mifepristone and misoprostol. Mifepristone, or mifeprex, cuts off all nutrients to your baby, breaks down the lining of the uterus, and starves your baby to death. After about 48 hours, you take misoprostol, which forces your uterus to have contractions, and you dump your baby in the toilet. Planned Parenthood tells you, do not come back to the abortion center. Sit on the toilet, flush, and don't look. So the abortion industry's disposal system becomes the American sewage system, and the bodies and blood of eternal children and souls runs through the sewers of America. That's what the abortion pill does. The abortion reversal pill is just progesterone. What's progesterone? It's a natural hormone found in all women, and it has been used for decades to help with things such as miscarriage. It's not a dangerous um, pill at all. It's a natural hormone. And the abortion reversal pill is just a bunch of progesterone. So think of it like two armies, and your army just lost a bunch of troops. Suddenly you get an influx of new troops into the battlefield, and now they can more appropriately fight the abortion poison drugs, right? That's what progesterone is. It's a natural hormone that offsets the effects of mifeprex or mifepristone. Therefore, in about 60% or more of cases, saves the life of that child whose body began to be poisoned and whose nutrients began to be cut off to them. That's a short breakdown of what is happening. And of course, the Biden administration and abortion supporting groups have been saying, we need to get rid of in-person evaluations for the abortion pill, meaning what they want is mail order murder, right? Mail order abortion pills, where you get these poison pills sent to your mailbox. How do pro-lifers contend and plead for the life of that child when the poison is showing up? in the mother's mailbox. That's what is going on here. The pro-life movement and live action as the digital leader of the pro-life movement has been running ads about the abortion reversal pill, meaning, hey, if you change your mind and you act now, you can reverse the effects of the abortion pill and save your child's life. And many children, thousands in fact, have been being saved all over the country because of the abortion reversal pill. Well, this has the technocrats at Google and Facebook very angry, as well as the journalistic prostitutes of the culture of death. One such a journalistic prostitute is named Emily Sugarman, writing for the Daily Beast on September 15th in an article titled, 
Facebook is raking it in with shady anti-abortion ads. She writes a $100,000 plus ad campaign run by anti-abortion organization Live Action, which advertises so-called abortion reversal as an effective means of reversing a medication abortion. In reality, the method is an unproven, potentially dangerous intervention that has never been approved by the FDA. The only independent study on it uh, it being the abortion reversal pill, was halted after a quarter of the participants were hospitalized. Oh, you sick pro-lifers, you're hospitalizing women through a non-approved FDA drug that reverses the effects of the abortion pill. Oh, you mean progesterone. You mean the natural hormone found in every woman and that's been being used for decades to help women with miscarriages and fertility issues. Oh, that's all you mean. <laughs> this is follow the science, right? So pause. We're going to address the study she just mentioned in one second that, that proves that the abortion reversal pill is dangerous, not the abortion pill, which kills babies and has killed over 14 women that have been reported to the FDA. I'm sure many more women have died from the abortion pill but not been reported because the adverse events associated with the abortion pill are usually reported to a different physician because most women don't want to go back to the creepy abortion doctor and report the adverse events that they experience because of the abortion pill. So yes, the abortion industry is the least regulated industry in the country with the least reporting of adverse events related to their medication and pills. We're going to get to that study in just one second, but this entire hit piece by the Daily Beast and the research they dug up, right, was provided to Google to pressure them to shut down all of the pro-life movement's abortion reversal pill ads. Okay, so this writer, this abortion creepy, bloodthirsty journalistic prostitute of the culture of death, Emily Schuberman, uses the studies and research that she appeals to to send it to Google and say, what are you doing allowing these babies to be saved through ads that are medically accurate? She continues and says, but ads promoting it on Facebook were seen up to 18.4 million times in the last year and a half, according to a new report from the Center for Countering Digital Hate. Ooh, that's good, right? Account the, the Center for Countering Digital Hate that now promotes uh, prenatal hatred and bigotry towards children in the womb, right? This is just one of those other leftist organizations that, that masquerades under false compassion. More than three quarters of Google searches for terms related to abortion displayed similar ads. A Google spokesperson said the company does not allow ads that promote harmful health claims, including those for abortion pill reversal. After reviewing a copy of the report provided by the Daily Beast, Google said it had removed all of the ads mentioned. Goodbye, digitally assassinated, no more pro-life movement online. Hmm, this is almost like the technocrats and big corporations are functioning as an alternative government, deciding who has the right to free speech and who doesn't. And then they point to some BS study that, that says, follow the science to justify their bigotry. Yes, as I've been telling you, science is just a sticker that they slap over their bigotry so the rest of the American public doesn't see the word bigotry over them. They just see the sticker, science, follow the science, love your neighbor, this is what the science says. So what is in this report, okay? It must be a damning and debunking critique of the abortion pill reversal, right? If Google used it to get rid of tons of ads about the abortion reversal pill, I didn't know that progesterone was so dangerous for pregnant women. What, what damning critique must we be talking about? Well, the Center for Countering Digital Hate report relies on a study by Mitchell Creenan in 2019. 
We've discussed this ridiculous study by Mitchell Creenan with our good friend, Dr. Brent Bowles, a friend of the show. Go back onto YouTube, go back to the podcast, episode 93 and then 10-something. We've had him on two or three times. He's a pro-life obstetrician and gynecologist. He's now the medical director at Heartbeat International, and he has delivered babies whose mothers got on the abortion reversal pill regimen that he prescribed to them, okay? And we discussed the flaws with this study. I'll give you a brief summary of this. This was a 2019 study by an abortion researcher creepy dude called Mitchell Creenan in 2019, which this Center for Countering Digital Hate report right here says was suddenly halted. (gasps) The study was halted when several participants experienced dangerous hemorrhaging that sent them to the hospital. This is what the report says. The so-called abortion reversal is an unproven and potentially unsafe procedure. (gasps) You're telling me women were sent to the hospital when they got on the reversal pill and the progesterone? Well, then we need to stop it for the sake of women, for the health of women. Okay, here's the problem with this study. The only women in their study who went to the emergency room for bleeding were the women who took mifepristone right, the first regimen of the abortion pill that cuts off nutrients to the child and starves the baby to death. Listen, the only women in the study who went to the emergency room for bleeding were the women who took mifepristone but did not get progesterone. Yeah, did not get the abortion reversal pill. I'll say that again. The only women who went to the hospital that this study claims, oh, is why we had to stop the abortion reversal pill, were the very women who didn't get the abortion reversal pill, who didn't get progesterone. They got the first regimen of the abortion pill, and they didn't get the counteracting effects of the abortion reversal pill. Every woman in the study who got progesterone, okay, who got the reversal pill, over 80% of them went on to have living babies and no bleeding. So the study proved the exact opposite of what they claim it proves. But this is the science that you you can't question or you're a bigot who doesn't love your neighbor. The Creenan study that attempted to prove that reversal does not work and is dangerous speculated that using only mifepristone and then not using the misoprostol would put women at greater risk of hemorrhage. They have used this speculation in court against a state that has attempted to mandate that information about reversal to be included in the informed consent process. You had states like Tennessee earlier this year or last year passing laws that said if a woman wants the abortion pill, okay, because I guess we can't make it illegal until we get our hands on the reins of political power, but what they're going to do at the state level is they're going to say, that woman needs to be told that if she changes her mind, she needs to be told, hey, there is a reversal pill. And the abortion industry sued over that because they don't want women having that information. The Creenan study showed the exact opposite of what it intended to show. Women who took the misoprostol were more than twice as likely to experience hemorrhage as those who did not take it. So this is the exact opposite of the conclusion of the Creenan paper, which the Center for Countering Digital Hate claims is scientific, and it's why it was a study used through the Daily Beast to Google to say, pull every live action ad on abortion reversal pill. Hmm, it's almost like science is just a way that they attempt to inoculate the public against their radical agenda, to keep you silent so you don't question it because you don't understand the science and the studies and it's so complex and this is what they're saying. Oh, it's coming from from the FDA who's reported on this study. It's coming from ACOG, the Association uh, American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. It's coming from them. They're legit, right? No, they've been radically pro-abortion this entire time. Science is just a cudgel they use to hit 
the heads of their political opponents. Live Action News reporting on September 14th said, without warning, Google disapproved all of Live Action's abortion pill reversal ads. The ads had been approved by Google and running for over four months, spending over $170,000 and directing thousands to the abortion pill reversal hotline. All of the ads were shut down per Google's unreliable claims policy, effectively banning live action from running advertisements on the platform. Of course, the very policy, unreliable claims, would actually be the very reason why pro-life ads for the reversal pill should be allowed on the social media platforms, but the abortion industry ads for the abortion pill should not be allowed on because they don't acknowledge the false conclusions of the mitchell Creenan study in 2019, and they don't acknowledge the risks associated with the abortion pill. In fact, you had Cecile freaking Richards, the former president of Planned Parenthood, in an LA Times 2018 piece saying that the abortion reversal pill, by all means, is safer than Tylenol, than the painkiller. No, it's not. A bunch of BS, a bunch of lies that they use to um, pull off their political goals. But what happened to pro-choice, right? Because choice requires having all of the information to make an informed decision. That's why we don't allow minors to have sex, to drink alcohol, to drive, right? To, to sign their own names on documents for adult decisions because we recognize they're not developed or mature enough to actually make informed decisions and to make sense of all of the information that they need to know to make a choice. Suddenly the goddess of choice is dead when that choice might lead to less babies being killed or having medically accurate information about the natural hormone progesterone being used to offset the effects of the abortion pill for women who want to change their minds, <laughs> who have decided after 24 hours after taking the first abortion pill regimen that they don't want to kill their baby anymore and they want the hotline to get an abortion reversal pill and the Democrats and the culture of death and the abortion industry, but I repeat myself, say no! And we will not allow that information to be given to you when you're given the abortion pill and we won't allow information to be run in the public square today, which is the digital marketplace, that might give you information needed to exercise your choice. Ah, now the goddess of choice is dead when the choice for life is presented as an option against the choice of death. The abortion industry sued Tennessee, as I mentioned last year, and other states who moved to require that women seeking the abortion pill be told that there is a reversal pill if they change their mind. Dina Montemarano, the research director at NARAL, National Abortion Rights Action League, Pro-Choice America, told Sugarman, this journalistic prostitute for the culture of death at the Daily Beast, she told her that pro-life groups are, quote, willing to put money and power ahead of their users' safety. <laughs> we as pro-lifers are willing to put money and power ahead of their users' safety. Oh, you mean how like you put money and power before the safety of not just the pre-born who's murdered, but also the health of women that you claim to care about when you don't tell them about the risks wrapped up in the abortion pill, when you don't tell them about the study that found that medication abortion is four times more dangerous than surgical abortion? Oh, you, oh, you mean the information that you don't allow women to get when the Planned Parenthood president was saying the abortion pill is safer than Tylenol? You mean you're willing to compromise the health of women and bury stats and medically accurate information that she would need to make an informed decision so that she goes through with killing that baby so the American public doesn't learn that there is a very safe and easy way to reverse the effects of the abortion pill? Who's putting money and power before users' safety? But again, two plus two makes five, right? 
and the party is always in control, right? This is the Orwellian nature of the leftist regime, is to invert language and mean the opposite of what they're actually saying in order to silence you and confuse you and make you shrug your shoulders and choose the path of least resistance. Are you awake yet? Science is a meaningless term in the lexicon of the left. It's just a sticker they slap over their bigotry and it's a cudgel to be used to hit their political opponents over the head over and over and over again until Dr. Fauci, the high priest of secular progressive, comes in and says, I am the science. And if you disagree with me, maybe that should be a hate crime. Did you see that? People are saying maybe that's a maybe that should be a hate crime if you're disagreeing with the science and disagreeing with Fauci. And the scientific establishments are nearly all run by bloodthirsty abortion crazies who rig their studies to reach conclusions they determined beforehand would be reached. <laughs> so science is just a tool to be used to get that which they already wanted. Following the science for the left never means following facts and logic to their most ra rational conclusion. It means here's a tool we can use to get to where we want to go. Science is more like a train track to get to their destination than it is about pursuing truth. But these are all the same institutions, right? Big abortion, big tech, big government, it's all the same thing. It's the blob, it's the leftist establishment, it's the culture of death. And this is just the sort of political um, actors within this culture of death that recognize that because they have their hands on the reins of political power right now, they will use that more effectively than conservatives ever have. If there's one lesson pro-lifers and conservatives can learn from the left, it's obtaining political power and wielding it effectively when you have it. And there's, there's a difference. It's not like we're, this, we're just like them because we're willing to shove down our agenda when we have our hands on the reins of political power. No, 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 no. The form is very different. We wield political power for righteousness to protect American founding principles and what could be more foundational than the right to life from which all other rights flow. Their goals are all the same though. Big tech, big government, big abortion, all their goals are the same to continue to protect their greatest sacrament of abortion and to entirely upend society to recreate it in their own image. That's why they have no problem with Antifa and BLM burning down the country, because from the ashes they can create something that they think is beautiful. And once people are calling for security and for safety, protect us from the mob, they will come in, demand some temporary emergency powers to solve it, and never give those emergency powers back and remake society in their own image. Go study history, that's the playbook. But Facebook followed Google shortly after. According to Schuberman of the Daily Beast, 12 hours after this story published, Facebook issued a statement saying it had removed most of the ads from its platforms too. And the new um, governor of New York who replaced Andrew Cuomo for his sexual assault allegations, which was really just a distraction from the senior citizens that he murdered by sending them back into nursing homes after they had positive COVID cases, but that's a story for another time. She comes out and she says to Facebook that we need to stop all ads, period. Not just abortion reversal pill ads, but all pro-life content must be censored. Live action news reporting, New York governor wants Facebook to, quote, curb the spread. <laughs> right? Curb the spread of COVID. Curb the spread of ideas, right? Because she recognizes that ideas like viruses are infectious. And if you allow good ideas to infect, right, and to take root, then you might have people who recognize the bigotry of the alternative religion of secular progressivism. We can't allow good alternative ideas to exist on the public square, on the marketplace of ideas today, because then people might not believe how we use science as a political cudgel. 
Kathy Hochul wrote a letter to Facebook founder, chairman, CEO Mark Zuckerberg, requesting that, quote, information on any and all existing efforts to combat misinformation regarding abortion laws, procedures, and their availability. She told him Facebook must take additional action to curb the spread of this misinformation, as Facebook has with information related to COVID-19, vaccines, and voting rights. She claimed that the pro-life articles, quote, describe horrific procedures that have no basis in reality and cite entirely made-up studies. Oh, you mean like the made-up study from Mitchell Creenan that the entire organization of Google used to remove every ad on the abortion reversal pill? Oh, yes, see, see what they do? Are you awake yet? Do you see it yet? They, they accuse their opponents of the very things that they do, okay? And they use science as a way to silence you so that you don't look like you're disagreeing with the science, which Fauci recently said is actually just himself. And they purposely inflate or misrepresent public health data. <sighs> she said pro-lifers want nothing more than to control women's bodies. So you have the sitting governor of New York. You have the sitting vice president of the free world, all pandering and kissing the feet of the abortion industry by doing their every bidding, responding to their every beck and call, and now pressuring their third bedmate, their third, their third bedfellow in their incestuous, disgusting threesome of abortion, big tech, to do their bidding and get rid of any alternative ideas. The death cult's oligarchy is gaining steam. It's moving faster and faster. It's excising and excommunicating any heretics of their regime. Is it too late to stop the abortion industries and left's demonic agenda? I certainly hope not, but here's the point. If you don't act now, if you don't begin contending in the public square on behalf of life and liberty, on behalf of the posterity of America, you've seen the studies, right? Americans are way below replacement rate. We have been for decades. We're not replacing ourselves. We're a dying country, quite literally. And we're setting ourselves up for China to take over a regime that has murdered way more unborn babies and abused way more women than America could ever attempt in their dizziest daydreams, even though we're in the company of only seven countries in the world that have abortions in the third trimester. Well, if we don't begin waking up and contending for life, to demand that abortion ends, to demand for election integrity bills so that we know that we have a voice, contending in your city to get godly pro-life men and women elected at every conceivable small political office at the city, county, yes, state, and of course federal level, then this American experiment is over. I want to read you something from Alexander Solzhenitsyn as we wrap up the show today. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who wrote the Gulag Archipelago, was an inspiring figure when he came and shared to Americans and, of course, um, experienced Russian communism and Christian persecution in Russia. He once reflected on how Russian Christians didn't move quickly enough against a culture of death that they saw was starting to persecute dissidents and silence dissent. And his conclusion was simply this. They didn't love freedom enough. They didn't love freedom enough. And so they deserved everything that happened. Here's what he said. He said, and how we burned in camps later thinking, what would things have been like? If every security operative, when he went out at night to make an arrest, had been uncertain whether he would return alive and had to say goodbye to his family.
Or if during periods of mass arrest, as for example in Leningrad, when they arrested a quarter of the entire city, people had not simply sat there in their lairs, paling with terror at every bang of the downstairs door and at every step of the staircase, but had understood they had nothing left to lose, and had boldly set up in the downstairs hall an ambush of half a dozen people with axes, hammers, pokers, or whatever else was at hand. The organs would very quickly have suffered a shortage of officers and transport, and notwithstanding all of Stalin's thirst, the cursed machine would have ground to a halt if, if we didn't love freedom enough. And even more, we had no awareness of the real situation. We purely and simply deserved everything that happened afterward. Do you see? Do you see that history repeats itself? Do you see that human nature is not endlessly malleable? And we are not, to quote Obama, on the upward trajectory towards justice, for it, history has a long arc towards justice, and we're always just getting better as human beings. No, humankind always tends to bend towards despotism and decay. And when you give man and woman unlimited political power, they will not use it for the good, except maybe the bride of Christ the men and women of God who understand that one day they're going to give an account to the king of kings for how they wielded that political power. Who better to get political than the Christians who understand that they're going to tell God and have to explain to him how they wielded that for righteousness or how they did it for wickedness, selfishness, and their own self-interests. The left hates God. The left has believed the serpent in Genesis 3 that they shall be as gods. So they have no fear in the present of whom they will give an account to. So they will be that much more eager and willing to use political power for wicked means. We will deserve, as Solzhenitsyn says, everything that happens hereafter if we do nothing why I said from the very beginning, had the church stood up against these lockdowns after BLM burned down the freaking country and not a single Democrat was worried about a public health crisis or, or a super spreader. But if you're a Christian in a one-third full church and you sing, you're a super spreader and you're killing granny. Once the persecution and double standards became clear, had the church stood up 30% maybe and defied and open their church, the public health infrastructure, the scientific organizations wouldn't have been able to handle that level of defiance and resistance. Then what would have happened? We would have assumed our original liberty, to quote our founders, and every bar, restaurant, and school would have said, look at the Christians. <laughs> they defied and got away with it and assumed their original liberty and the culture of death and the political regime and the leftist blob couldn't do anything about that level of resistance. How many people would have been spared from suicide, from abortions, from women who killed their children at a disproportionately higher rate because they didn't want to bring a baby into a COVID world? How, many, how much human heartache and human lives could have been spared had the church defied and opened? Had we recognized what was coming down the pike? My point is this, if we don't do that soon and stand for the unborn, for life and for the liberty of our posterity, we will be in a Solzhenitsyn situation where we look back and we sit in prison and we sit in hidden basements and we wonder and we, and we joke and we ask and we pray and we consider what could have happened differently had we united together and said, this stops now. Here's my question for you. What level of dehumanization of the unborn and of their political opponents, do you think will satiate and satisfy the left and the culture of death? 
You got pro-life game developers being fired for saying they support the Texas uh, pro-life law. You got nurses in Vermont being told that they don't have a legit lawsuit against a, an abortionist who told the nurse, if you don't assist me with this abortion, you're fired. You have pro-life ads being completely removed based off of medically accurate information on social media. And you have pro-lifers being compared on MSNBC to the freaking Taliban and suicide bombers. And the journalistic prostitutes of the culture of death at MSNBC do nothing to critique their guest statements saying that. You have Kamala Harris saying that you have a constitutional right to an abortion. You have Merrick Garland, the attorney general who is almost a Supreme Court justice, saying we might have to send federal troopers into Texas to protect women's right to kill their unborn children. What level of dehumanization of the unborn and dehumanization of pro-lifers and conservatives do you think will reach a level to where the left goes, ah, I'm satisfied with that level of dehumanization of the unborn and my political opponents now. I don't feel like I need to push my dehumanization of my political opponents any further. Once we compared them to the Taliban, that was enough for me. And now I'm fine with them passing pro-life laws to protect the pre-born. No, there will be no end to satisfying their urge to kill the unborn because it's their sacrament and to persecute you because to them, you are a heretic of their alternative religion, the religion of secular progressivism. So you will be thrown into utter darkness. Well, there will also be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We'll finish with this. C.S. Lewis once said, of all the tyrannies, a tyranny exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It may be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. Wake up. That's the left. That's the culture of death. They don't think that what they're doing bad and they're going to do it anyways. They are omnipotent moral busybodies who think that they're righteous. So there will be no end to their ability and willingness to persecute you for they do so with their approval of their own conscience and they have their reins on the political power. Can we get political? Can we rise up and begin protecting the pre-born and becoming and becoming political hacks, if we're gonna be labeled that, in order to obtain political power and wield it effectively and righteously, not just for the pre-born who are being genocided by an alternative religion, but also for the posterity of this country, some of whom are in the womb right now and some of whom who are scripture called are yet to be born, but we will be judged by them as we judge Christians in Russia, in Germany, and Christians in America who allowed the Holocaust and stood by and did nothing. And we will, our children, grandchildren will critique us and judge us as vehemently and as nasty, with as nasty of an opinion as we have of Christians who allowed slavery in the Holocaust. You owe it to the pre-born, you owe it to your savior, and you owe it to the posterity of America to begin uniting now, mirroring Solzhenitsyn and not fulfilling his prophecy here in America. This is the abortion threesome. Big government, big tech, and big abortion. And they will not rest until you are dehumanized to the same level that the pre-born currently is. If that doesn't disturb you, I've got nothing else to say to you. Thanks for joining the show today. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, give the show a rating and review, let us know what you think. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com to sign up for my newsletter to see my speaking schedule, which is almost full for 2021, and to book me for an event as 2022 is filling up fast and we have Sanctity of Life Month in January if you want me at your church. Thanks so much. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted.